0: You're listening to Never Sleeps Network.
1: Welcome to the Express. I am Bilal Bakani, and this is not Jungle Express, it is not Panda Express, or whatever that tag team was in AEW Dark, and it's definitely not Braun Strowman's Express. I'm joined as always by Daniel Shahori. How are you, Daniel? Very good, my friend. Good to talk to you again. So, you were coming away from NXT War Games, and sort of my title for the podcast is NXT War Games Never Changes. Ultimately, we know going into this, Finn Balor essentially is not ready to defend his title. We have got the tease about Karrion Cross. So as much as this card was two very good war game matches, a very good triple threat NXT North American title match, and then two other matches which really shouldn't have been part of this card, yep, I kind of come away with this thinking it was a pretty good show given the circumstance. I would have put two other matches on this card as opposed to the other two matches that ended up on this card, though.
0: Yeah, it's it was essentially a three-match card. I agree completely, uh, and yeah, because they had nothing else, and and those were that was the definition of filler matches. The yeah. the Grimes, uh, the Cameron Grimes match, and. Mm. That one in particular, and I guess, uh, like, Thatcher and Chiamper could have waited as well. Didn't need to be.
1: Yeah, we'll get more into those. Uh, the fact that Kushida wasn't on this card uh, was alarming because he's seemingly the guy, if you don't have Karrion Cross, who would be in a world title program. So how can you not find somebody on this roster for Kushida uh, to have a match with? And then you have these burgeoning tag teams. Uh, we have uh, the Grizzled Young Veterans, arguably one of the greatest tag teams in the world. And uh, you've got uh, uh, Imperium kicking around, I think. And I know that was a late build because of a variety of people getting across the border and whatnot. But I just think you could have had a great tag team match. And we'll get into this more later, but Thatcher and uh, Ciampa, they strike me as a tag team, not two guys who should be having a singles match. So how you didn't just do a triple threat tag team with those three amazing teams, not to mention Everrise.
0: I don't know.
1: I don't know. Um, but let's start off with the main event. The Kings of NXT, if you didn't know, that's Pat McAfee, Pete Dunne, the uh, great Oni, uh, Oni and Lorkin, who are now tag team champions as a result of this team, taking on the Undisputed Era, who you know very well, Adam Cole, Roderick Strong, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly. Very, very great. Like, this might be the match of the night, which, again, there's only three to really pick from. Um, I love this. I'm, I'm very surprised that not only did the Undisputed Era win – they look like a very cohesive team here that may never split up as opposed to me looking at this match thinking, okay, this is where they lose to McAfee and this is where the split comes. So uh, pleasantly surprised by all that.
0: Yeah. I I was half expecting a turn uh, from the undisputed era. One of them, Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure, but I'm glad it didn't happen. Uh, Look, this was a highly entertaining match all the way through, but I will say it, it was a bit much like, like yeah. it, it was a, it went into video game territory, but look, mm-hmm. I, like I'm, I, like, I I was highly entertained. It was, I wasn't bored. I was, you know, it was really fun, but it was, it was, uh, once uh Mac, we kicked out of the, the Panama <laughs> sunrise yeah. enough, like this was way too much. Yeah. Um, but again, it was highly entertaining. So you can't really complain.
1: Yeah. I think the other problem is the time, right? Because this is a card that was scheduled to be done at 9:30. We're sitting here a little bit after 10. So this card overran by half an hour. I know typically they go till 10 o'clock. So I'm, I almost wish you'd just taken the two matches we're going to talk about later off the card. And then this, if this ended at 9.30, I think I would have been much happier with it. Um, but ultimately, like, I, I just, I'm blown away by all these guys. Uh, Birch and Orkhan, yeah, these guys were essentially jobbers on 205 Live That's and NXT, right. but you give them a manager. Well, hey, these guys are tough SOBs, that can hold those tag team titles quite convincingly. Pete Dunn looks like a different guy, like he looks jacked, refocused. This is a totally different character than we saw him with, uh, with Riddle, who was formerly named Matt Riddle when they were a goofy tag team. Just and McAfee, uh, you love to hate this guy, like he is just so hateable. Did a swanton in this match, as you kind of alluded to, a moonsault, just unbelievable. Uh, I like, I, I agree with you, I think the match was great, a little long. Uh, but, you know, I, I like that Dunn started this match. I like that McAfee went last. I like that Cole went last. I like that the heels had the advantage in this match. So you had that dynamic playing out. Like, it was very, very well laid out, even having Kyle O'Reilly as the start. Because, you know, if you had told me this a year ago, I'd oh, no, no, put Roderick Strong in there with Pete Dunn because of the history those two have in war games. But ultimately, uh, you know, we're now looking at Kyle O'Reilly as the lead babyface now is the undisputed era because those pylons have been moved so much. So such a smart uh, move to have him start this match. And certainly Roderick Strong still did a lot of great stuff, but sort of reassessing even the pieces of this group uh, and Bobby Fish, you forget about him, but he's just absolutely excellent. So yeah, Amazing. love this. Uh, I don't know. Can you add anything else, Dan? Like I just thought it was great. And if you haven't seen it, just watch it because I'm not going to describe all this crap. To so you.
0: much talent in, and wondering at once. And uh, but it, it, it wasn't that it was too long. It was just mm. too much. That's right. Because I wasn't yeah. bored. Like I was, I was riveted like every second. But mm. it was just like it was way too many finishers were kicked out of.
1: Yeah, no, that, that is a bit of a problem, and, uh, you know, you've never seen you that. Because you can only event. go, like,
0: how much farther can you, go, like, what are you going to do next year, right?
1: Well, and, and that's the other thing I was thinking, too, because we've had uh, Johnny Gargano and Champa in this match, and they arguably did crazier things in this and other cage matches, so, yeah, you just get into this. And then, you know, we had the women's match earlier, and luckily they were different enough, like, McAfee had the tables with the undisputed names on them and all that. So like they were different enough matches and there are different ends of the card that it actually worked quite well. Um, but yeah, running a, a very slippery slope here. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Dan it was the NXT North American title right before this, correct? correct. Because yep. they put the two useless matches back to back, which is a terrible idea. Um, but this match was quite good. Leon Ruff, uh, Johnny Gargano and uh, Damian Priest built completely equally. Like I really went into this thinking, okay, Rupp's got the title, but they're going to make him look good. Priest could have won this title at any point, so he's going to look good. Gargano's had this title twice now, so he's going to look good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then certainly the they took the the scary face, whatever those people are. And Ghostface. instead Ghostface? Yeah, Ghostface. Instead of it being one, which is what we initially got with uh, Candice LeRae, we got two The in the lead-up to this card on the last NXT, and then I don't know, there's six of them here. It just got so ridiculous. Only one of them was revealed to be Austin Theory. I don't know who the other five dudes are. Uh, Or even if they're dudes, who knows? Um, But it sort of got a little ridiculous. But I I can take that with humor, because you know Johnny Gargano. There might already be a YouTube video out here where he does an interview with these six people behind him. So, like, he will make fun of this in a way that's self-referential. So I'm going to give him a little bit of a pass on that. Um, I know you alluded to the finish not being great, but otherwise an amazing match. The Crucifix bomb spot, where Damian Priest crushes rough into this wall and the wall collapses so hard that one of the crew people around there bumps into oh, the, the wall. Oh I know which <laughs> falls over. up freaked her out. Yeah. Like, yeah. That was uh, like yeah. it was an accident, but amazing. Um so you know I love this. Uh I, I would say this is uh, easily the third best match of the night and not far off the war games matches to be fair.
0: A lot of fun and and they made up for the finish with the with the line it was me, Austin, oh, all yeah. along. <laughs>
1: That was and great. Austin Theory, quite that, appropriate.
0: That, that, was, that was fantastic. Uh, look, these, these guys, like, I worry about, like, when I see these people, I, I feel Damien Priest has a decent chance on the main roster.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, rough, they'll immediately make a comedy character. They yeah, will. he's
1: 157 pounds. So you, it's
0: unfortunate. Right, taking, yeah. uh, and then Gargano is smart enough n- never to go to the main
1: roster. Well, let's hope, because now with the whole Candice thing and the power couple... You know that Stephanie and Triple H and, and even probably Vince are looking at that, going, yeah, that would work on the main roster. Like, that's a narrative we like. So, uh, especially, oh, God, if the Mixed Match Challenge ever comes back, you think they're going <laughs> to be able to resist that? <laughs> like, they're yeah. gonna, they'll probably make an exception for NXT to be part of that next time. But if not, they're going to be pushing those guys up. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought this was great. Really, you know, unlike the other matches we had that weren't war game matches, it felt worthy of the card and certainly been the only title match. Sure. That had a heightened uh, awareness. And I think they've really built this up well with the fact that they really obviously can't use Finn Balor because if Finn was healthy enough to go, they would have put him in a match with Kushida at least tonight. Um, but clearly that wasn't the plan, but yeah, really good stuff. And um, now uh, things are going to get quite uh, depressing, Dan, because we're going to go through two matches. I don't know place on this card. Uh, I believe the later one was, uh, and I'm trying to blur these out of my memory, Dexter Loomis and Cameron yep. Grimes. Um, uh, and look, I'm double minded. Like I saw this match and at one point I was thinking, here's Cameron Grimes, this great worker, great character. He's got that great Southern char- you know, Southern bit to him kind of reminds me of AJ Styles. Like, I don't even think that's a crazy comparison. Uh, and then you have no. Dexter Loomis who is a big boy, plays a character that does something for WWE. Um, they see something in him I don't see, or I, I, I understand what it is, but I don't agree with it. He's basically Jinder Mahal. So we basically had Jinder Mahal versus AJ Styles, and they put Jinder over. Of course they put Jinder over. Uh, I, yeah, I, look, the match itself is good. There's a lot of like callbacks. There's a lot of history. The guys are good enough workers. Like, like Grimes is great in the ring. Loomis is actually fairly good. Like his fallaway slams and stuff are good. But the problem becomes you're so interested in Grimes as this heel – and then Loomis is a good guy murderer. Like, it's,
0: that's it, it's backwards. I mean, yeah. in different contexts. I mean, obviously, again, I'm going to say the same thing as I did in the last match. When I look at these guys, like I think Cameron Grimes could be a phenomenal baby face. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think even like I, I don't love Dexter Loomis. I don't like the, the gimmick, but I think he could, mm. if done well, he could be an excellent heel. Yeah. But – what I what I said before, these two guys on the main roster will be comedy characters.
1: But they kind of Which are Well, they kind of are comedy characters here. Like they haven't even got out of NXT, and they don't have to be. Yeah, and uh, yeah. They, they they did this at Halloween Havoc, and this just sort of strikes me as we don't have Finn. Like this was the match exactly. We don't have Finn. We're gonna tease like they did tease through a crow. Not a great tease, but they did tease that Carrying Cross is coming back because they had the TikTok, and not like I the, thought it was Sting. But it was well, but well, that already no. happened. Um, but anyway, so like this, this very much felt like crap. We don't have the two guys ready. Let's just stretch this feud out. It's good enough for a takeover. We like these two guys, and it is a compliment to their investment in them. Um, and I didn't hate this. It just felt like almost a TV match, like a bonus, like. We're going to do the rematch on TV and it's a strap match, right? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't even more than a few months ago where I think Loomis had a strap match with Roderick Strong. I can't remember if it was on TV or if it was on, I don't know, but like it's been done. Um, And yeah, that uh, wasn't great. And the match that followed it was even less great because it was Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa. Now, uh, Ciampa's whole thing has been, I hate these new guys coming up who don't pay their dues. But Timothy's whole thing is, I run a school, and I hate these new guys who don't pay their dues. Yes, yeah. So what the hell is the problem with these two guys? They are practically the most perfect reflection of two characters on NXT that you could ever imagine. Like, they are a mirror of each other, and they just hate each other. And I was like, okay, maybe, because the a hard-hitting match. The work was good. Fine. Maybe they're going to get to the end of the match. They're going to shake hands, and they're going to be a t- – no. No, they just... Stay.
0: I think that's coming still.
1: I hope so. Like, if that happens and we get, like... And this is the team that's maybe just as sheer above Ever-Rise is like, that crappy team that just gets jobbed out because they're too technical or get disqualified. Like, there's something to be had for two just hard bastards who just want to beat people up and they don't mm-hmm. even care about the tag team titles. They just want to beat people up. And they want to beat up these new stars, like the Drake Mavericks, the Killian yeah. Dane. Like, there's something there. I, I don't know why they wouldn't just do that. I don't understand why they have gone down. Like it was just ridiculous. On NXT, we had one of the students who I can't even remember the guy's name, nor should I saving Timothy from Tomasa. Like it's just gotten to such an extreme level, but I don't know. What do you think of this, Dan?
0: Well, I think that eventually they will put them together because Ciampa is another one that's not going anywhere. He's, he's Mm -hmm. not going to go to the main roster or if what he says, he said, he said
1: that you're right. He doesn't want to go. You're right.
0: Um, I actually, I thought this was really good. I really, oh, I, the guys, I, are great workers. I th- this was a really fun. It, it almost reminded me a bit of um, Walter and Dragunov, uh, just how mm. hard hitting it was. Like so, yeah, I really liked this match actually. Uh, it, so even though it was, it didn't need to be on on War Games, it was still a a fun match. Mm. Yeah, it's a days welcome.
1: And uh, you know, I'm tr- again. If you gave that tag team match like if these two guys were a tag team in a fatal four way with those other teams I mentioned, mm-hmm. it just would be infinitely better. Like the motivations would be clear, you know, and I think you're right. I think those things are coming. And I think they, they're in a, they're in a very, very tough spot. Like they've had what, two of their last three <laughs> world champions suffer serious injuries and one get called up to the main roster and have to drop one of his belts. Cause he had two belts. Like th- th- that NXT world title is cursed at this point, um, which would probably factor into the storytelling.
0: Thatcher's another one. He's going to he would be ruined on the main roster. They'll make him a joke because he's ugly, and he's not ugly. But they'll you know how he, he, mm. he they will make him into a comedy
1: character. Yeah, although it did kind of work with Riddle, so <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we, we really uh, they were good tag team champions in last, but <laughs> no, you mean um,
0: Riddle is working on the main roster?
1: No, I he's not working presently. But when they were in NXT and they were oh yes, but well, let's so is, you know this is. When they ruin Riddle, this might be the way they try to rehabilitate him by putting him with Timothy and revisiting the tag team thing. But that's, you know, two wrongs don't make a right. Um, The show itself actually opened amazingly with the women's war games match. Um, I had a lot of questions in terms of how you opened this match. It makes a lot of sense that Candice LeRae is going to be the last person in the match. She's built up this super team. She doesn't want to get involved. Fine. It makes a lot of sense that Io Shirai would be the last person in the match. She's the women's champion, last to join the team. Makes a lot of sense. But the the match starts, it seems like Shotzi Blackheart comes out with a cool new tank, and you think, she's going in the ring, done. But Ember Moon seemed to almost call an audible on the fly, <clears throat> runs down there, and she starts the match because I guess Ember Moon is still rusty and she wants more time in the ring. It's the only way I could reason it. And Dakota Kai is already there because I guess Dakota Kai's betrayal last year was so iconic that somebody's like, just... Just put her in the ring. Don't even put her in the cage. We're not going to get at that moment again. Just get her in the ring. Um, but the fact that this sort of built to her friend Raquel Gonzalez coming in and their teamwork, because they're the only real team in here, being so strong, I went back and I told you, I'm like, Raquel Gonzalez you just started this match. And if she was going to start the match, Rhea Ripley could have started the match, because Rhea Ripley's a veteran. And, like, you would have just had these two – and then create that sort of anticipation – these two monsters getting at each other but man if we had just gotten rhea ripley and dakota Ka- or, but they,
0: they got there eventually they got there they had, they had that moment with the two of them
1: yeah it just was a convoluted way to get there especially to start a show because ember is still she's probably the character you care the least about and it's not her fault it's she hasn't been around no she hasn't long. right and by comparison tony storm is the second last she's person. left she's left and then she came back yeah, and, she and Tony Storm, I'd say the exact same thing, even though Tony Storm's situation is very different. Um, but in some ways, exactly the same. And she was the second last woman in, and it worked much better because she came in, she was a burst of energy, but she wasn't the last person in the ring, and it fit better. Um, but ultimately, this match was great. You know, there's still issues with giving the baby faces the advantage in a War Games match because we saw in the men's match, you give it to the heels, it works very well narratively.
0: Uh, I mean, I guess you have to do it at some point.
1: Yeah, you have you can't to always
0: uh, have the heels have the advantage. Like, it would just, yeah, you have to have it at one point because they're both vying for it.
1: Yeah. I, and again, maybe if you flip Blackheart and, you know, Ember Moon, it makes more sense, right? Because, A, this is this whole thing is because of Blackheart's tank. She comes out with a new tank. She should start the match, not come in second and say, I'm going to get some tools to, to destroy this person, Dakota, Dakota Kai, who really wasn't involved in the tank thing. Like she just sort of joined this team because she had nothing else to do. So it just like that part of it kind of didn't fit in any way for me. Um, But ultimately like this women's roster and these eight women in particular, um, you can argue, and I I think I would take this argument, they are going to be bigger stars than the four men we saw later in the night because there's so much talent here. There's like, you have eight people who legitimately could all be NXT women's champion I would say any two combinations of these people could easily be the women's tag team champions. Like you take your pick, like even Candice and Tony Storm, that would work. Like just Candice and uh, Hardwell, whatever, like that would work. Um, And then, you know, even if you go further along, we could be fast forwarding years from now, Rhea Ripley, uh, Io Shirai, you could already see them challenging for a women's title on Raw or SmackDown. And I think, a blackheart might need more seasoning, but a Candice LeRae has that seasoning. A Tony Storm has that seasoning. An Ember Moon has that seasoning. Um, any of these women could be world champions, essentially.
0: Oh, and Gonzalez—they and, really, they're a good. Oh yeah, I forgot about Gonzalez. One hundred percent. They're going to fast track her. Yeah, yeah,
1: she and I think the way she—I think she, I don't know if she got the decisive pinfall or I forget how it went down now. But the way she was showcased in this match, she really looked like the person who's going to challenge Yoshirai next. Yep. Where Maybe. you know. And even before this match, you could see Wade Barrett and um, the pre-game, pre-match show really putting her over. And even before that, um, I think they've, they've, they've sort of taken someone in that very much that Kevin Nash, Shawn Michaels role, and they realized, oh, Kevin Nash could be a world champion. And it sort of happened again here. Um, and I think it's perfect. So, yeah, no, I loved all this, Dan. I don't know what else you want to throw in. Because we can never get to it all, but it was great.
0: That garbage can spot. Oh, yeah. Your Shirai, that, ju- that was oh. crazy.
1: In the I've never seen that before. Yeah. Uh, I, uh.
0: So overall, I mean, look, I'll say this for both of the war game matches. And, you know, I kind of joked with you earlier about mm. I preferring the, uh, the concept and structure of the Elimination Chamber. Yeah. But my, my, I guess my only real nitpick with this match is that there's no stakes until everybody's in the ring.
1: Yeah, no, that's a problem. And we saw it in the men's match with uh, one of the submissions early on where I think Lorcan or Birch actually tapped out. Right, and it meant nothing. So yeah, which, yeah, and it also sort of telegraphed the finish. So, yeah, I think I wonder if they need to – and I know there's a huge tradition with WCW, but, yeah, I'm with you. I would change that. Because especially if you have the advantage, right?
0: you know, why should they've changed those rules before they've, there's been different versions of war games. So, and I
1: remember a few years ago, we had three, three man teams in there, not even two, Mm. four man teams. So, so right. Yeah. I'm with you. And I I agree. I think the elimination chamber, and this is probably a factor of, it was created in a more modern era. It's not as much of a throwback. So it's an elimination match. First of all, that's another problem. This is not. And you can still do the team thing with that. Yeah, no, 100%. And I guess this is another problem with board games. It's not an elimination match. Like, if McAfee exits the cage, he is eliminated. But otherwise, it's not an elimination match. Mm-hmm. And that becomes a problem because you're, ask, you're, you're having to suspend your disbelief that only when eight people are in this ring can one person get a pinfall in another while six people watch. And that's how the match ends. And, and that is an inherent problem with this concept because mm-hmm. th- th- you just have to decimate everyone. And even then, it's it's a little, like, well... No, and they really
0: did in that match. Yeah, like they,
1: they got it across.
0: Yeah, yeah. But otherwise, I mean, uh, once, because it, it was kind of, like, when everybody, when all the women got into the ring, once it really started, that match was great.
1: Hmm, yeah. And I, I, I would say, yeah, the lead-up, I have some questions, and, you know, I, I don't know if it would have made a world of difference, but I think it could have been tweaked a little. Um, but yeah, ultimately, a, a really good show. Like, I think Jeez, if you to give this a grade, Dan, it probably would be a 7.5. because I, I give them a lot of credit because, again, they don't have a world champion, but you can't give them points because they don't have a healthy world champion. You just can't. Uh, is that where you are with this card?
0: I, 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 I was going to exactly give it a 7.5.
1: Yeah, it's a straight B. And I think, you know, in fairness, because we, we don't have much more to talk about, it's going to be our shortest podcast in a while. Uh, thank you, NXT, for only having five matches, even if two of them we didn't need. Um, but I think the other problem is we're coming off the Winter is Coming AEW show, which gave us a big world mm. title shot. Uh, well, title change, I should say. um Not, t- I don't even remember everything that was on that card now because it feels like a year ago. But like, oh, that I was, do. I, I
0: was going to ask you. uh hmm. no, no, I didn't want to compare. I'm Winter's right. coming to NXT on hmm. Wednesday, but did you like War Games better than Winter's coming?
1: No, I, I can't. I, I can't say I preferred the War Games thing. You know, I have a little bit of a favoritism towards WWE, but ultimately, like. You look at that Kenny Omega match and the Don Callis finish. Like that was very, very well done. Like you just like that's didn't see awful. that coming. Yeah, no, no. Look, that was great. Um, I, I'm honest. I'm so fixated on that. But I, even if I think generally of that card, like you and I talked about the Sheeta thing, but that was thirty seconds. Like you can nitpick that ridiculous promo by Sheeta, where it's basically like, "Are you ready to you know face Abaddon?" What was that? Can we do this right. again? No. End of promo. I gotta go.
0: And then they 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 showed like I, I on my YouTube feed they they showed they popped up on the AEW feed a match in March with uh, Sheeta and Abaddon on Dark. I was like, why did you? So they've already had a match. Oh yeah. Like and then the and then you're promoting this. Like, why did you show Show me this. Why did you remind me about that they already had a match?
1: Yeah. So like look I I you know it'll always be the easiest thing to pick uh, at AEW, but. Then, you know, you look at other things. You just look at the tag team division and the Young Bucks. I still don't really know how I feel about these guys because they're sort of acting more like faces. Um, but in doing so, they've sort—it almost physically like done it strategically to get easier matchups, which maybe is what we're going to find out.
0: because they've got. I, I, would l- I hope that's that's the reasoning. I think yeah. that would be great if that's the but reasoning.
1: The problem is going to become that at some point they're going to face FTR again. And we're yes. going to be back where we started with, oh, I hate both these guys. So... Um, so that's a little bit of a problem, but look, their work's still good. Um, they're spotlighting some really good teams, like TH2, Hybrid2, whatever they're called. Um, they're really good. Uh, I like seeing them in the ring. I, li- I like that they have that kind of groove style thing going. The, the Diamond Ring I, Battle I like Royal yep. um, with uh, MJF and uh, came, coming down to him and Cassidy—quite um, ingenious—and even him el- eliminating Wardlow. Uh, what a spot! And then the MJF What's, spot. Was insane. Go ahead. Like,
0: the show, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. The, no, that's fine. the, the show was structured uh, so well that uh, partway through, they advertised what was happening next week. And, and they gave me like five things to look forward to. For I was like, wow. Like, yeah. And there was five interesting, like WWE never does that. It gives yeah. me five things to look forward to already and they're like cool things. Like you want to hear some stinks. There's, there's several things like, okay, uh, the, the winner of the, the diamond ring match and sting yeah. speaking. And then there's like, uh, I don't even remember everything else, but it was like, wow.
1: Yeah, no, no, I, I agree with you. And I, I know WWE has, literally they have market research that shows them if they throw things out last minute, they do get a bit of buzz. And I, that's fine in pieces, but they can't be your mantra for all your programming that, you know, and I know a lot of this is Vince McMahon rewriting Raw and SmackDown. But for NXT, to just be like, you know, um, there was a great example of this on Raw, actually, I'm going to use. Uh, Nikki Cross versus Alexa Bliss was the only thing that was promoted for three hours of Raw. Like, the on- like I'm sure they mentioned other three things. three-hour show. But, like, that was the match. That was, no like... A problem. Yeah. Monday night, 8 p.m. to 11 p.m., we've got Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss. That's the only match on paper. And I, and I don't know exactly what other... I'm sure they teased, what is Randy Orton and The Fiend going to do? Like, there's obvious things you could either interpret or I'm sure they teased out. But you you got to book more than one match for three right. hours. Like, it should at least be three. It should at least be a match an hour, and then fine. If you want the other half of the hour, there's a, a promo and there's another match, and maybe it's 50% surprise, fine. But it can't be, like, a 90% we'll see what happens live. Like, that does not work at all. So, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a point – um, that I wish WWE would draw from AEW because the beauty of it is now they have the option to look at how this works for another brand. And ultimately, AEW is doing generally better they're than gonna, ratings.
0: They're going to kill them next week. Uh, AEW, they're going to kill mm-hmm. NXT next week, just like they did last week. But this week, they're going to kill them. Because also, mm-hmm. coming off this pay-per-view just occurred to me, mm-hmm. and watching, I watched NXT on Wednesday as well. Yeah, it's like, I don't know what's, I can guess, but I don't know what's going on on the show next week. Do you? Yeah,
1: no, no, you would assume that... You would assume. F- well, exactly. But you wouldn't see the kings of NXT, because they'll probably be selling their injuries. Maybe. So, Undisputed Era will probably just be shooting... They're shot at some time. We're we're
0: speculating, yeah. And again, the other show told us exactly what it was: five things that were planned out, yeah, that that made sense, that were that was built to, yeah. Wow.
1: I don't even think that the only argument you can make is there is something to be said for a last a last minute announcement, but that's singular. It's not the entire card. No,
0: that's something. You
1: know, yeah, like, it, 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 fine. If you want to say, you know, uh, take NXT. If you want to say, Karrion Kross is back on Wednesday, you're going to throw that out an hour before the show and create buzz, fine. But, like, that's enough. Or Finn Balor is going to make an adjustment. Sorry, Finn fine. Balor
0: is the one thing they showed. Okay. So, so the one you thing. Know. I'll give them that one thing. So, yeah. And that was kind of a cool thing. I like that video that he did.
1: Hmm. Yeah,
0: like that. I, I apologize. I forgot about that.
1: No, but your point is still very valid because this is something WWE has been doing even on pay-per-views. They will announce matches hours into main, you know, before main roster pay-per-views. Like this is a, to, again, to them, they are getting, like they're looking at it from a social media standpoint of we are pushing metrics out and we're not going to get these metrics otherwise. But I think there is, there's clearly also a correlation with ratings and announcements. I, I think those two things are, granted a bit divided. So I guess you could make the argument on a pay-per-view where you have as many subscribers as you are going to have. Why don't you pop some social media numbers by some last minute matches? I think I'd give them that. I think I would say, okay, if you want to announce the pre-show match and some useless matches that nobody cares about last minute, fine. But when you're talking about NXT, which is in direct competition with AEW and you're right, AEW has got five matches on the card against zero. You'd probably be in better shape if you announced two or three and then, sure, if you want to do some surprise bullocks, and, and maybe to that point, maybe AEW should be throwing in a surprise announcement right before the show. A, maybe. I think it's singular. Yeah, I think yeah it's they one could also do that. Yeah, it's, it's weird because it's these two extremes of, mm, and here's you know, the better half of a card. And I, I sort of almost wish both companies were a little bit more you know, objective about this, but they're so locked into their methodology that I don't think it's going to change anytime soon.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to – look, whenever uh, uh, I speak against the WWE, when, mm. I, when, I, when I'm really happy and excited about AEW, is because really I, I want WWE to get better. Yeah. And, and they're not going to uh, – int- so I'm excited for this Wednesday because they're going to get their ass kicked on Wednesday. And yeah. th- th- they need it for them to improve all around.
1: Although I, I will say the funny thing with that is I think they reached a point where, and I think this is partially because their shows were on different days was the NBA where they sort of realized they can't really beat. AW. I think they realized that with the exception of like, you know, a Halloween havoc or something like that. Why like, that be, well, but why can't they, they, they should be able to, they should be able to, but I think they realized that they were by, by doing things to push for ratings, they were diluting their product, right? Like the giving Keith Lee two titles and then having him drop one. Like I think they were making short-term booking decisions yes. based on ratings. And yep. I think now they totally. they haven't moved entirely away from that to be fair because then you don't have Halloween Havoc. But I think they moved far enough away from it where they're like, look, we are NXT and ultimately it's not so much about this ratings war. It is about uh, about us developing talent or at least developing this brand to – uh be appealing to usa network to want to spend whatever it is 50 million dollars on the next contract which i don't know how many years it is if it's two years or one year it probably is two years um so i think and it's probably just the capitalistic nist of of vince mcmahon where he's like well there's 50 million dollars here i don't really care about the competition i may steal some good ideas i may steal ben carter but i don't really care that much about AEW and how we compare and ultimately if usa network comes back and says well you're going to get a hundred thousand more viewers. If you move this to a Tuesday and we're going to give you a contract extension for NXT. If you do that, then Vince McMahon might say, yes, I'm going to do that. And now I can work on positioning a two Oh five live or some other show to be sold to a network uh, or something else to make myself more money. And I think that's ultimately what this is going to come down to. And I think that's kind of where they're moving.
0: Man. I think it's like, I feel it's like the Vietnam war, like a, um they don't want to concede where they they, mm. they know they need to stop. They know this was a bad idea to go up with the, and they underestimated them. But they, I, I think that even if he's told to move to Tuesday, I think he's he's going to see it as a sign of weakness and he doesn't want to concede to that. Well, Unfortunately, which makes it Well, it, it doesn't it, surprise it me. To Tuesday.
1: Linda McMahon is in the Trump cabinet. Um, and there's a guy who will not concede. Right. So, it's that
0: mentality. It's just, They're the same people, um, right? You, yeah.
1: It's, it's a bit of a mess, but you know what? I'm, I'm happy we're at this point because I think when we were, you know, and this is really what pushed me a bit away from them is when we were at the great American bash stage, where it was the two weeks, the two specials, the Keith Lee bollocks, like, you know, I just, it was just at a point where they were diluting the NXT brand to try and it worked. It did work to get them ratings, but they were destroying their long-term booking to try to pop a rating, to try to tell a story, almost like a TikTok ironic callback to Karrion Cross, especially given the timing. But it was just so asinine that, you know, you could undervalue the North American title. Like Keith Lee win it on the same night, just so he can, you know, or win the world title on the same night, just so he can, you know, vacate it before yeah. he goes to the main roster. And now look at him. Yeah. And well, look at the story. Like, A, there's a Chronicles, uh, whatever documentary. That's airing right now. Yeah, Yeah. that we're not watching, but we will later. um, Which is Chronicles, again, for lack of a better term, his rise. And you're telling a very compelling story with a guy in Leon Ruff who really wasn't doing anything, and a guy in Johnny Gargano who you've rehabilitated through this heel turn and really made him a star uh, when it didn't really work at first, you know, like – that final beat match is infamous for being a bit of a disaster. And yet you've actually, through long-term booking, made this work. And the same can be said about Damian Priest. When he first won the North American title, this guy of just a jerk who nobody really cared about who had this title. And he's so good as this tweener character. I really want him either to be trapped with another tweener, a Cameron Grimes type, or maybe even a Dexter Loomis, because maybe they can find something there. I don't think he works as well in a traditional rivalry like he had with uh, Gargano before Ruff came in and before he was conflicted because the, the conflict of this, you know, grizzled, massive, powerful guy. And, you know, ultimately he is kind of a good guy, but he is a dick and just that dichotomy of destroying Ruff, but feeling, feeling bad about it, or, you know, just taking out, all of these uh, scary mass people and then not having the sort of killer instinct to win the match necessarily and being distracted by it. So it's a very fascinating dichotomy, but I think that's all I have on NXT. Dan, do you want to add anything else?
0: No, I'm good. Uh, Overall, it's a good show. And uh, like we said, you know, 7.5 is a good show. And I looked, I was, it didn't overstay its welcome. And, uh, you know, but I, I, I look forward to NXT improving with the the help of aew forcing its hand
1: yeah and i think long term again going back to the finn Balor carrying cross thing i think when you have those two guys this is probably a great show because you can take your weakest part out put two of your best players in and again i don't know why they didn't just position kushida here because you could have put something together with like kushida and loomis would have probably made more sense or kushida and grimes and you could or maybe a triple threat So you have that baby face who actually has a reason to win a match and a place to go. Uh, Or maybe if you'd put him in the Thatcher champa match, there's a freaking baby face in there as opposed to two like complete heels, like complete heels, like not even great, like total heels. Um, So yeah, I, I am a bit, I'm at a bit of a loss as to why they didn't do that stuff, but you know, ultimately a good show. And I think great shows are in the future. And that's pretty much, you know, all you could ask at this point, Dan, Daniel Chihori, always a pleasure and I'm trying to think, is next for us TLC? I would guess so.
0: That's the next pay-per-view on the, uh, yeah, December. That's the one yeah. that would be the next one. So then I looking, guess that's later, than, like in three weeks, right? Or
1: I feel like two after weeks,
0: Christmas? Eh, or no?
1: Uh, I think I'm it's between
0: Christmas it's... and New Year's.
1: Oh, okay. Well, we'll find out when we do the podcast. Yeah. Uh, and I know uh, Revolution is, is going to hit us in January. And we also have the Royal Rumble, too, so we've got a lot to go. Uh, Late January. Yeah. it yeah. was a pleasure, Dan. And we'll Thank chat you again. my soon. friend. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com.